Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, we welcome you, our guests, our listeners to the Storyform Podcast. It is a gorgeous October fall day. Um, Tori, it feels like fall or it looks like fall, but it's like 80 degrees outside. Oh, no. It's like this whole conflict of you look out and it's beautiful. And I'm like, I'm putting a sweater on. Yes. And then you go out and you're going to die yeah. if you do that. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll see the change soon. It's the leaves are changing. Um, we're getting there. We're getting there. So we have our last in-season football game. Um, tomorrow night, and I was really hoping it would be at least sweatshirt weather, but I don't think it's happening. Yeah, how's the football season? It's great. Good. It's great. With your senior? My senior, my senior <laughs> boy. And I tell you, um, football will be the thing I miss mm-hmm. about high school for him. Right. And so I'm kind of mourning the loss of that, but super excited for what's next. Yeah. Good. Well, I am super excited. How do you like that segue? Super excited. That was. A, I mean, that- we kind of. We're getting Becoming, professional. I, that's what I mean. You've, you're training me well. You've yeah. had it down, but I'm I mean, there. we we are, we're, we're going to go national, Santori. How many people you think are listening? Three, four? Millions. Mi- I, millions. I, oh, I'm going to start saying more outrageous yeah, millions. things. If millions. I'm getting all the the residual checks, though. I haven't shared them with oh, you yet. I want my buck 25. <laughs> Come on. Oh, so speaking of segues, we have a incredible guest uh, on our show. So last uh, podcast, we talked about raising sons. Um, This podcast today, we're going to talk about raising daughters. And I have my good friend, Carla Dillinger, uh, who is with us. And a little bit about Carla. Carla um, is a spiritual director, counselor, um, Carla uh, trained with Dr. Larry Crabb um, many years ago, and really both she and her husband Kent were um, dear friends and mentored by Dr. Crabb. And um, I met uh, Kent and Carla together through uh, an event that uh, Larry would do a week long school of spiritual direction and really hit it off with the both of them. And Kent has been uh, a dear uh, brother to me. Um, we have talked every month for probably 10 years. And so he's had an incredible ministry in my life, as has Carla. Um, Carla, so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you, Will and Tori, and your guests. Um, it's a privilege to be here. Yeah. Well, uh, Carla, we're talking about raising daughters. And so um, when we think about this topic, I know for you guys, you had both a son and a daughter. You have grown kids who now are are married and you are now grandparents. Remind me, Carla, how many grandkids do you have? We have five. We have two five-year-olds, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a soon-to-be one-year-old. So Two boys and three girls. Okay. We're Papa and Grammy. Papa and Grammy. Oh, that's great. That's great. So you are in this season of having raised kids and and now are uh, reaping the rewards and the joy of grandkids. And so when we think about, Carla, just as we begin this conversation, when we think about this topic, when when I got in touch with you and asked you about talking about raising daughters, what what were the things that came to mind as you thought through this topic? I thought, well, I wasn't very good at that was the very first thought I had. <laughs> and, um, Says every mom um, of a girl, right? <laughs> or boy. Yeah, it's like Kate, our daughter, was our firstborn. And um, I can remember we got her home too late one night when it was just, she was our only child. And um, she was just having a super big meltdown as we were trying to get her to bed. And Kent and I are looking at each other going, what the heck do we do with this? Um, and it was like she was a, a this and it versus a daughter. And it was like, do we pick that up and hug it? Do we like um, try to redirect her? Like, what, what are we doing um, to this little feminine image bearer? And how do we... Um, 
come alongside God's design and plan for her, um, for it, the life of God to be released out of her eventually. And um, so, yeah, the confusion. So I immediately went and I asked my daughter, I said, <laughs> what do you, what would, how would you answer this? How do you, um, we raised, how did, how were you raised? Um, and the first thing she said was, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with, um, the role of father in my life with dad. And she said, and you were a huge part of that. But her first thought went to Kent and then the community also that she was raised in, um, with us and that she felt very heard, very pursued. Um, her interior world was engaged, just not her behavior. Um, a deep curiosity about what was going on inside of her. Um, and that I, there's something about that. She said, put a, a firm support underneath her that she didn't even realize she had, but that there was this undergirding um, by a whole community that somehow strengthened her to move out into the world. Oh, it's powerful. So I love that you guys had the opportunity to just think and reflect, uh, even in preparing for this conversation, to, to think and ask and have that conversation of what was it like? And um, that's just so encouraging. I love that idea, too, that in reflection, you're realizing that 100% of the responsibility was not on you entirely. There was a community that was supporting you and your daughter. And I just love that idea when we're willing to share the load um, with the people we are around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was so formidable for all of us and that she had other examples, other voices, um, men and women, but there are women in her life um, that were my friends that she has stayed in relationship with and who mothered her, um, sistered her, called her forth, um, but enjoyed her, deeply enjoyed her. So Carla, on your journey, when you were raising your daughter, um, you know, you mentioned in a joking way, I think all of us as parents experience, gosh, I'm, I've got so much further to go. Um, and, you know, we're all in that process of becoming. Um, and yet just knowing that as we look back, um, God uses all of those moments to form and shape and uh, build things into the lives of our kids. And, you know, he fills in the gaps by his grace uh, through that time. So as you think back into that early season, maybe in the, the adolescent um, kind of teenage years, what, what were things that were most helpful for you? As you look back on that season, what were the things that, um, that you could look back on now and said, gosh, this was something that I found so beneficial in understanding the world of my daughter? I, I think it, starts with being aware of what's going on in my own soul, um, that how I'm threatened in this world, how I want to live self-protectively and self-promotingly. That's my flesh's best attempt here um, to make my smaller story work rather than my smaller story to be caught up into God's larger story. So being aware of the own, my own realities, I think, gave me a window into what she was up against um, as an adolescent. Um, and there were times, I think, in, a, in our fallenness, and I, it's not unique to femininity, but I think we're bent um, greatly towards, like, we do not want to end up alone. And so even I will use my children, my community to take the edge off this profound thirst I have um, to not end up alone. And that that is so um, during adolescence, what Kate was up against in the sense of where do I fit? Who do I fit with? Um, and to just even be able at times to give her words for what's going on in her soul and that thirst we have um, to be seen and to be known and to be cherished and that we're constantly going to going to be looking for the created order 
to fill that for us. Um, and that that's what she was going to be up against with, and to listen to the tears and listen to the frustrations, um, not perfectly, um, but to be an ear for the ache in her heart um, and to not be afraid of it, not try to fix it, uh, but to almost normalize it, that that's what's going on in everyone that you are meeting. Oh, absolutely. That's one thing that comes to mind. Mm. I love that so much. And um, I have always said that I feel like when we don't know how to parent, we automatically parent from our deficits. And that just what you were saying, I have realized very recently with my own daughters that I was parenting them in a direction of I wanted them to be seen, known and loved in the way I had desired to be seen, known and loved as a child and as an adolescent and a teen. So I'm pushing them and parenting them in that direction only to realize that is not how they desire to be seen, known and loved. And so it requires a lot more of me to figure out how are they best cared for um, instead of just parenting them in the way I wanted to be cared for. And so it was, and there's a vast difference between my children and myself. And so that is um, something I'm currently working through. And so I love to hear you say kind of that in a much more beautiful, eloquent way. (laughs) Oh, I so love the journey you're on that way, Tori. Like that's only like the spirit, only the spirit can reveal those realities like that, especially that thought about that we do parent out of our deficit. And, you know, I was sharing that with with a friend and saying, gosh, I just know that if she X, Y, Z, and she said to me, Tori, um, she is not made like you are. She does not desire the things you desired, and she needs something else to fill her up than what you are trying to give to her. You would you are filling her up like little Tori would have wanted to be filled up. And but it took another person who is probably um, much more like my child um, to say that to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't even realize that. And so I was so grateful in that moment to have a friend who could speak that wisdom to me in a way that I could hear it. Yes, I, I love that part of like honoring their otherness, um, that they really are a different person. Like I can remember putting Kate in violin lessons when she was in second grade um, and I had always longed for the kids to have an expression for that wordless part of your soul um, that is there in beauty and in groaning and uh, for me it made sense music you know And um, she told me it, she was just a second or third grader she looked at me and she goes I just don't see this in my future <laughs> and, <laughs> profound <laughs> Yes, and I saw her step out on a volleyball court in fourth grade, and she's beaming from ear to ear. And it's like, oh, my gosh, she's athletic like her father. (laughs) (laughs) I did not mutate that gene. (laughs) Um, And it it was like to come alongside her um, in this beautiful strength that she carries in athleticism, just one part of her reality, and um, how how to speak in that she would not grow tough or hard with the pains of that and the competition of it um, was was something that we were quite aware of that we longed for her the tenderness of her heart to stay tender mm-hmm. um, because competition just brings out um, that people are an enemy you know to take down mm-hmm. um, and that. There's just all these realities, and I that you know that verse of that um, will might know more than I do about like train up a child in the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some understanding that it's the sense of to be curious about how God made this child and train them up in how they've been uniquely made to reveal His glory here. And I think that's what we longed for both Kate and Kyle, that they would have a sense when they left our home, just some of the uniquenesses of sensitivity that represent the Trinity, but also know with that uniqueness and um, whether it's, we call it a giftedness or um, just a unique way they've been made, often that's where the fall is hit the most. Um, and that 
they would walk out of our home having an idea of this is how my flesh has been shaped, where I will use what God has given me to reveal in order to promote my own glory, my own self. Um, and that these are the ways that I'm going to protect myself from the pain that I've already endured. Mm-hmm. Um, and our kids are going to know some of their deepest pains from us yeah. because we are the ones that are living in great proximity to. Uh, and that, that was very troubling to me as a parent. And often I parented out of my fear of the future not trusting God, that um, trusting God's pursuit of them as well as the Spirit of God within them. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what happens, um, that this glorious God was going to continue to pursue and invite and challenge and woo them. And it wasn't on me. Leads to so much freedom of of realizing I I want to be available and I want to journey with my kids and I want to you know one of the things that that we've talked about um, Kent and I and you as well Carla is just presenting ourselves to our kids um, being able to yeah. acknowledge in br- our own brokenness our own humility this is where I am on the journey talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that's really important um, because I think they look at us like we've arrived somewhere. Um, and I, I can think of a specific story with between Kent and Cal where Larry really encouraged Kent to introduce himself to Cal um, of what, it, what it's like to be a man in this world. And I think for me as a woman with Kate to that, a result of the fall is that we are going to know incredible pain as we live in this world relationally. And that's normal. And for that, not to surprise you. Um, and that there's a path of grief and lament here so that we don't take things into our own hands and do a, you know, a, a slight controlling manipulation to get what we want or to live real guardedly and defensively. Um, but that to put words to her, even when I was feeling like I'm feeling really defensive as you say that. Um, and I, I don't want to go that way. Help me hear you better. Or um, I know I, this sounds like a weird example, but there came a time in our seniors. I, I was quick to own um, my part of failure in the conversation or something I had done to the kids. Um, and it started dawning on me that my child was not traveling in their own heart with what they had done, that they were just seeing like, yeah, mom's repeatedly a screw up. <laughs> and um, I remember I had to submit even my apologies to the spirit of God to say, is this a good time to apologize to them or not? Mm-hmm. And that I would even use my apologies to try to stay close to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was valuing felt closeness over true peace, how God describes it, and to be willing to live in the tension um of not felt closeness in order to honor God and what he might want to do in them through that slight distance that I had to endure with them. Um, mm-hmm. So that story, I don't know what question you mm-hmm. asked. No, that's Willis. great. That that's great. No, that's great. And I think it goes back to what I'm hearing. And I, and I think it's true for all of us is that there's no five step formula when we're talking about raising our kids and particularly with our daughters, one of the things you mentioned, Carla and and Tori, you can speak into this as well is, you know, Tori has two daughters. I have three daughters. I don't have any sons. Um, I've, I have three daughters. And so, you know, I'm somewhat familiar with this world to (laughs) with the, the girl world. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, the idea of the assault on um, the, the, the femininity, uh, the invitational strength of a woman, and yet the assault on um, the pain of relationships 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just ex- thinking of like middle school girls are mm-hmm. just, I can't even, I don't even have a word to describe at times the brutality mm-hmm. of the relational world of adolescent girls at times is, is breathtaking. Tori, what are your well, thoughts on that? It is, um, probably one of the most painful things I've experienced as a mother is watching my children walk through those years of um, its growth, its growing, and understanding that those seasons of loneliness, I as a parent, and this is probably part of what I've realized recently, is I'm wanting to fill the spaces for them. I want to fill the loneliness. Um, If I can orchestrate something, let me do that. And learning that the Lord is providing and loneliness. And when he separates my children, um, whether it's from me, like maybe Carla was just explaining, whether it's from classmates or peers, um, it is part of the Lord's protection. And that has been a really, really hard lesson for me to learn in the middle school years um, mm-hmm. that God is working in every situation even when I can't understand what it is. And it makes me think back to, I don't, I think the overwhelming thing I hear when people are saying, oh, I'm having a girl or they're young and, and people will say to you, oh, well, enjoy it now because the years are coming when they're not going to like you anymore. And we're constantly prepping for this separation. And I just determined as a young mom that that did not have to be the truth I lived. And I am finding in these hard years that we I, I haven't had to experience that separation from my girls because I did not accept that truth early on. And so I'm thankful that the Lord has provided a relationship for me and my girls that are close that we can kind of navigate this these periods of loneliness um, differently than maybe mm-hmm. it would have been mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Carla, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on just as as parents um, navigating the roller coaster of pain in the lives of our kids when we see you mentioned um, the just the relational pain that women experience so profoundly men experience that but I think as a result of the fall um, you know we may not f- feel it as intensely speak to that a little bit of how as parents there's so much of us that want to fix this and bring relief to our kids when they're hurting, especially this relational hurt. How do we navigate through that? Mm -hmm. I think they need to see that we hurt relationally also, that we're traveling through that and desire to trust God in the middle of it, that we, um, we, there's a power within us um, that, is like a atrophied muscle, like the life of God, that the, the truest reality of the redeemed image bearer's heart is that they love God and love others. And what sits around that is this need to protect ourselves from the pain. Um, and we say, I refuse to feel that kind of pain anymore. And I think that's what we want to continue to speak and massage into our children's soul. And especially like when I think of um, a feminine soul um, that, I wanted Kate to know that there was an undamageable beauty within her. And by undamageable, that, that, that meant there were going to be great unspeakable harms done to her. And some of them I prayed and begged God that they wouldn't happen to her, but I couldn't protect her from. But um, what I mean by an undamageable beauty was that the deepest work of God in you cannot be damaged by another person. That he is always about your deepest beauty, which is the joy of revealing who he is and his utter delight of you in the middle of this pain. And you may be feel you may feel profound loneliness, betrayal, harms unspeakable, but you are not alone. Um, and he will never ever forsake you or turn your back on you. And that I think, you know, I had this image come to me one time with pain that Jesus is like outstretched in front of me with some of the horrific things that have happened in my life. And as that evil was coming at me, it went through his body first. 
And so that as it hit my soul, it, it has redemptive possibilities to make me even more beautiful. And that I don't have to become evil. He looked and said, this one's mine. Watch in the middle of the ruin that she is surrounded by, as well as the ruin that she carries within. She will not become evil, Satan. Um, she will become mine. And um, I just longed to have that vision painted for Kate and the grand girls that there really is an undamageable beauty in them defined as the deepest work of God cannot um, be derailed by whatever happens to you or whatever someone else does to you. Mm-hmm. And as you're feeling that and allowing that to to work in, in your own heart and in, in my own heart, the, the being able to release that in love and care towards our daughters of, of being able to have those conversations, but by allowing the spirit of God to mold and shape and use those experiences and those engagements and those moments to, um, touch that part, um, deeply within of, of there is this beauty that cannot be tarnished. There is this beauty there that cannot be touched, even in the midst of the difficulty and the pain. And, you know, I, I see so often that we're now kind of talking about Carla, these categories of femininity. I think about this idea and you help me with this, Carla, of, I think that the, the, the beauty of a woman that um, really demands uh, I will be seen in this world. Uh, this is how I will be seen. And we think about that in our, our culture. We think about that in our, with, our, with our adolescents, with young girls who are demanding to be seen. Um, and, you know, that's a, real, that's a real reality. Talk about that a little bit, Carla, of just that broken part of femininity that says, you will see me no matter what. Yeah, I think first I hear the legitimate longing underneath it that you were built to be seen and heard. Um, And in the void of that and in our fallenness, it feels like life then. I will define life not as knowing God in the middle of this pain, but I define life as my problem is I haven't been seen and I haven't been heard. Therefore, um, life for me is to be seen and heard. Um, And it's true of all of us. You know, it's just true of all of us that we, um, those early ways our flesh was shaped and those absences, and they're, they're almost all in the same kind of categories, you know, of being seen, being heard, and maybe for maleness a little bit more of um, having power and um, of, of moving out into the world and creating order and where that's been thwarted. And um, we're both meant to feel pain here. That is part of being out of Eden. And that pain is meant to draw us back and make us look up to the one who can fully complete us, not fully here, but in the day to come. So it's like, it's not surprising it's happened, but I think I, it's like, of course, but I think I long to hear the thirst behind it um, and even call to someone's thirst. Of, like, they're obviously longing for something they do not have. Um, yeah. And that, that demand, you know, we demand is a grasp, which is what Lucifer did, like grasping for life. I will, I will ascend, I will, um, sorry, Will, that's your name, but (laughs) (laughs) I just hear myself, that grasping for life apart from grasping onto God, the God who's already grasped us, Um, so it just works itself out Mm -hmm. in many, many facets, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think just even the whole topic is, like, immodesty, I think um, speaking of femininity, I think we'll display whatever we think is most beautiful or valuable about ourselves. And if it's our body, we'll display our body. If that's how we believe we'll get relationship. If it's our mind, we'll display our mind. 
if it's our athleticism, well, if it were, you know, male and female all the time are being immodest. Um, but the profound ways are, you know, with femininity that comes to mind is that we, we will display our bodies in order to try to gain some form of relationship. And what's sad is we're so thirsty and hungry that we will eat vomit because we're hungry and thirsty and to have eyes on the hunger and the thirst um, that's behind the behavior. Tori, as you're hearing this, what's going through your mind? I'm just thinking about the great challenge our girls have to be counterculture, countercultural in a world where they are being told their greatest asset is their body. It's not their mind. It's not their soul. It's not their relational value in any way. It is what is visual. And so I know in our home, we have those discussions, but it's not even a question anymore about why do I want to look this way? It is just, this is how everybody looks. Mm. This is how everybody behaves. This is how everybody thinks. And so um, those conversations are hard to encourage. It's, it's hard to be countercultural as an adult, to be you know in the world and not of the world. Um, so I know what a challenge that is for me. So I cannot imagine what it's, it's like for my children. Yeah. And in, in all of this conversation of just realizing so much, I think of, of parenting and the, the desperation that parents feel is just this outward conformity. I just mm. want my kids to be good. Mm. I just want them to be successful. And, you know, sometimes, and it's more nefarious, it's just, I, I want my kids to make me look good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but there's so much of, it's not about the outside of the cup. Mm-hmm. It's about the inside of the cup. It's an inside out reality that we walk as Christ followers, but also in our parenting as well. And not yeah. just so I do not sound like I'm holier than I am. I want my kids to fit in. I want them to be liked. I want them to be accepted. And I am fighting my own sin every day trying to parent these children because there are days I want to say, just just try to fly under the radar. Just try to fit in a little bit. And I realize, oh my gosh, that is so that is not right. That is not good parenting. That is sinful. I'm saying, hey, just just dabble just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and I, I can say all these things that I know are right, but then I know that I'm battling myself every day too. Mm-hmm. Which goes yeah. back, Carla, that and, and you speak to this, Carla, the idea that we have to know what's going on inside of us. Uh, first of all, in order to and to be able to journey through that as parents, yeah, and that I the path through that I think um, in part is ongoing brokenness and repentance. Um, I can remember it comes to mind right now, so I'll share it. I'll trust the Son of Spirit. But I was when I was in my twenties and um, Larry was supervising me uh, one semester, but and I was talking to him that. I was so confused about what it meant to be a woman in this world. And partly my confusion was um, like, I was terribly interested in theology and I was a Bible minor and I chose not to be a Bible major because I didn't see other women pursuing Greek and Hebrew, which would have been the, uh, the difference at that time. And I just didn't feel like I wasn't, I just didn't feel like I fit in what my culture was saying feminine, feminine was. And I could see that true for any culture, like what's being defined as femininity now compared to what it was being defined for me and my teens and probably Tori when she was, like it's been height, this heightened um, sexualization, this heightened thing on appearance, this, um, uh, oh my gosh, don't even talk about skincare, you know, <laughs> it's like mm. what you're supposed to do that way, you know, and, so it's like whatever the culture is defining and for us to somehow walk in rhythm with the spirit and defy our culture and to become fully, like Larry phrase, fully alive to how he uniquely made each one of us. But I remember in this conversation with Larry, um, I remember his words to me was that he said, there's no question mark in your soul um, about 
who you are as God has made you as a feminine image bearer with the strengths and the capacities you have and how he's uniquely made you to bring him glory. And he said, how that will be accessed is that that will just flow out of you as you continue to repent of your self-promoting and self-protective ways. Like it's not something we have to go figure out and put on, but it's our sin that blocks the release of what's already there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, I think for us to have eyes on where, where are our children living to promote and protect themselves, that we can help them know that there's something deeper underneath those realities. um, That is their deepest beauty. You know, as Peter tells us, there's an unfading beauty that I think actually increases. I see it in my 80 some year old mom and she sits in assisted living not able to walk, losing her eyesight, and there's like um, full of fault, yes, full of glory, oh my gosh. And um, for us, for us to ongoingly live out the story of fallenness and redemption before them, that it's like, you know, I feel really, and did not feel like the battle's going to decrease. The battle's only going to increase, and that's not because of something we're doing wrong. I remember about five years ago, I was talking to Larry about these realities within my soul that I just loathe that aren't seeming to like shift or whatever. And he's like looking at me and he goes, you do know the battle just increases, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, obviously not. (laughs) (laughs) Still learning, still learning. I love that as you're talking, I'm thinking about as a parent, I think we get stuck in these ruts of calling out the things we see in our children that need to change or improve or, um, and we feel like, and it is a great responsibility to do those things. But what I'm hearing you say really convicts me and motivates me. Like I want to be daily calling out in my children, what I see and how God has made you. Let me tell you what I'm seeing in you and asking them as they're making hard life decisions, like, how do you think God made you? What, what did God give you to specifically um, battle what's happening in your life right now? And so I'm just feeling in this moment really, really encouraged to not not that I can't call out the negative, but I want to be calling out every day how God made my kids so that they are that is on repeat in their heads. And when the battles come, they can be like, but God has made me to whatever it is. Um, so I love that sense of that. like, you know, we, we're new covenant believers and that we believe the deepest reality is that we're lovers of God and lovers of others. And to like take highlighters to that, like mm-hmm. as you're speaking, I can picture a yellow highlighter and that even like the sense of like, I hear the sadness you feel over that broken relationship. And that's because you were created in the image of God. You feel that sadness. Mm. Yes. That we were made and that Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow and grief. And as we walk here and become closer to him, we are going to feel the effects of the fall on our souls. And it's not because you're screwed up or cheer up. (laughs) No, it's because you were made like God. And these things grieve you and they hurt you. Um, But like even those kind of emotions that it's like, yes, because you were made in the image of God, you feel this. And that is what's hard about raising girls sometimes, man. We are incredibly emotional (laughs) beings. And that kind of gets, girls get a bad rap for that. But again, the reminder that God made us this way. He gave us these crazy and they hormones were- and, you know, through puberty, yeah. but they were to prepare us. Well, I think that sense of our emotions to be curious about them and not deny them, but they all need redeemed. Yes. Um, Amen. You know, like our anger, it's like, God, like my anger wants to take that person down. And our First Amendment right is where the Psalms tell us we are allowed to speak that to God. Mm. Like, I hate them. You know, the psalm, I'd lick their children's heads to be bashed against the rocks. And to give our children spaces to express 
that, yeah, that does exist within us, you know? And like, we go to God with that. And um, we don't take that out, you know, revenge into our own hands, you know? And it's like, so what do we do with that kind of anger and that kind of pain? And it's like, those are the conversations. And it's like to give them space that God's big enough for all of what goes on inside of them. I didn't have that confidence. And that's why I almost left Christianity in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I did not believe God was big enough for all of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so profound, Carla, of God is big enough to understand, to know, and to redeem all that's going on inside of me. And for our kids, particularly our daughters, to have a, a place to be able to um, process that, um, to wrestle through that, um, to, to have conversations centered in that uh, is so powerful. And I, I think it just as a dad with three daughters, Carla and, and Tori, I think the thing that I feel the most is I want my daughters to know that they are beautiful um, in, in the, the sense of, of this unfading beauty as we've talked about. When First Peter talks about women, don't, don't have your beauty be this outward adornment, but your beauty is this inner quality. Um, mm. And and how, how do I as a dad see that and recognize that and affirm that and um, follow the trail of what's most alive within them? I feel mm-hmm. a huge burden as a dad for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be their deepest beauty is shown in how they relate. Yeah. You know, and I think that for you to explain and knowing you, you know, that it's like you are reflecting the power they have in your heart mm-hmm. and that how deeply they touch you um, in their goodness toward you. Right. And for them to know their power of their beauty mm-hmm. toward a man is just such a gift. Yeah, and I think we could continue and talk about this for, gosh, hours. Um, There's a lot, but if I were to just kind of summarize some of what we've talked about today of just recognizing as parents that um, that we we have to um, engage the the heart of our child, and that the heart in the scripture is the desire, is the motives, is the um, it's, it's thoughts, it's the will, it's the, the inner life. And, uh, to know that that is what God is most concerned about our inner world. And, and because it's from that, that everything flows out of. And, you know, Carla, what would you say to a parent who may hear this podcast and say, I don't have the ability, you know, like the mom or dad hearing this to say, like, are you telling me I got to be a therapist? Like, as I hear you talk about engaging the inner world, like that is a foreign language to me. How would you, how would you, if you were sitting in front of a parent, um, talking to them or maybe over the phone, how would you encourage them? I'd say the, the hard, simple work of listening without an agenda, Mm. especially an agenda to fix. That I can hear you and that I don't uh, have to be afraid of what's going on inside of you, even though I will feel fear, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but that I don't have to fix this child um, and I can be free of agenda as I listen to them and just be curious as I sit there. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. What's that like for you? Just tell me more. I want to hear it. And if I would follow up, Carla, with that, I 100% agree with that. But somebody says, that doesn't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. Oh, yeah. And it won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, like, how much do we turn to God and we say to him and it doesn't feel like he answers us or accomplishes much in us? But it's the relationship. It's the strength of the relationship that is accomplishing much in that soul and in my soul, people who can hear the dregs of my existence of what it's like to get out of bed and face reality for me. You know, it's like they, they're telling me there's something bigger in the world 
than me. I don't have to be afraid of who I am, that there is a love big enough for me, that there's um, a person big enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, it's accomplishing much. It's not fixing the problem, but the problem isn't the real issue. Mm-hmm. It's relationship and breached relationship. Mm-hmm. And if we can be a place of, of relationship for our kids, being other than them, not needing them to be close to us in order to really hear them and love them in the moment. I think the spirit will give us wisdom if we're truly curious without agenda. Oh, absolutely. And to fight, um, as you say this, the, the fixer, masculine dad part of me that wants to enter into my world and uh, bring order from chaos it has to literally say um okay i'm not gonna fix i'm not gonna fix i'm not gonna fix and and yet trusting and knowing just what you said god is using that atmosphere and god is using that environment uh to um to form and shape depth of relationship both horizontally with one another and vertically with him as we create those environments of, I just want to be curious without fixing. Uh, I, I want to understand and have a understanding of femininity that what is beauty? What does God call beautiful? Uh, and that is something as parents uh, that we need to understand, that we need to have a, a perspective on. And also I'm hearing just in our conversation that we are in a battle. And that battle does not go away and that we continue to feel and ache and groan. It's the, it's the Romans eight idea. We, we groan and we ache and we long for the day when all will be made right. And that is not where we are. We're not in Eden and we long for Eden. And we feel that in the heart of our daughters, um, that, that, uh, continually battle with the core questions. Am I seen? Am I known? Am I loved? Am I beautiful? And being able to enter into that space and trust that in that, um, I don't have to make anything happen, that God is working, that God is big enough over time, even when I don't see things um, necessarily being productive, that he's working in and through that. That's the kind of atmosphere that I want to see and live out with my daughters. Absolutely. Tori, how about you? I just, as you were saying that, I was thinking that Romans 8 idea that it is so hard to believe the promise that God is working all things for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through the pain of our children, through our own pain, um, it, it's just, it's a truth that we just have to rely on and know that He is, He is, He is working all things for good. And I think, um, Sometimes I can see that in my own life, but man, it is a, it's a challenge for me sometimes to believe that for my children when I'm having to let go of any, any idea that I think I might be in control of something. I'm really not. But, um, and just to reiterate that idea that we want, we are always trying to be experts in our, for our children and, and we're, we're not, we're not the expert. And so I love that idea that when we, our children are coming to us and we are saying, we can't fix this. We are creating, we are modeling for them a dependence on the Lord. And when they see us do that, it gives them freedom to do the same. Mm-hmm. Carla, what are some final words for you? Mm-hmm. I was just thinking as both of you were speaking, the profound gift that God has given us here is the, He is with us. And He doesn't choose to fix some of the things that just, are tormenting me in the middle of the night, you know, and, but he says he's with me. And I think that could we incarnate his witness with our children? Um, I think it just would be such a privilege um, to get to be his eyes, his ears, his hands of being with them um, here and that they, and that there's a sacred center that we can't go in and save somebody and there's a sacred center that we can't go in and fatally harm somebody. And it's God is in that's God's space in their soul. And that's his space in my soul. And that to know he's up to good in that sacred center. Um, but I can't go in and ultimately be God to them, but I can't go in and also fatally harm them. So the pressure is off in great ways, but it's, God's journey with my child 
um, and I have a front row seat. I love that. We are not ultimately in control of any outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also want just a an, an idea to leave us with, a practical idea, is that I think as we've spoken, we've all kind of come to the same conclusion. We want to be experts in our children, but... But to do that, we have to really be experts in ourselves. We have to be able to identify our own pain, our own hurt, and our own sin, um, and how that affects us because it's affecting our parenting. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. before we can really, um, I don't know what the word is, but before we can really influence our children, we have to influence ourselves mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. I want to also, as we wrap up here, uh, just for, for our listeners to know that um, Carla um, has a ministry where she um, meets with people. Um, she does that remotely, um, primarily phone calls, but uh, also probably uh, virtually Zoom calls. Um, both she and Kent have a ministry of um, presence in the lives of people and um, provide spiritual direction um, and um if, if there are listeners here that after hearing Carla would say, I would love to connect with Carla and spend some time with her, um, I, I could help with that. And so um, just know that that is a resource and uh, both Kent and Carla uh, are moving towards um, a ministry, uh, launching out in a, in a new venture that we're really, really excited about. And um, it's it's in the incubation process right now, and they're working to form some things. And so um, just know that our, our listeners, um, Tori, are millions and millions of listeners. Millions. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I yes. bet they'll all be calling. They will all be calling. To talk to Carla, not to talk to us. That's right. They're going to call and talk to Carla. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Carla, thank you so much. Um, I love you and love you and Kent, and I'm so grateful for the presence that you have had in my life um, as uh, spiritual directors and um, people that have loved me well. I am so so encouraged by this conversation today. I'm always happy to know and be introduced to the people who have influenced you, who um, are responsible. Yes. I now know that Carla and Kent are responsible right. for I know, you. I know, I know. I'll blame them. I'll blame them. What a blessing <laughs> they are in your life. I've heard you talk about them yes. so many times. Yes. I've never spoken or met them, but I am really, really glad to have yeah. been introduced. Yeah. Carla, thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for your love and friendship that strengthens us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tori, it's a pleasure to get to hear you and know you a glimpse of your soul. (laughs) Thank you. You too, Carla. Thank you for joining us today on the StoryForm podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.